I love the first moment that God has with man. His first interaction is messy. He gets down in the dirt and he begins to sculpt us. And there's dirt under God's fingernails. And all of a sudden, there's dust on God's lips. And Adam opens his eyes and he receives the breath and then gives the breath back to the earth. Mm. God breathes into him and then Adam breathes back. Friends, this is Morgan Snyder, and I am really, really joy-filled to bring you uh, this podcast today and actually a three-part series where I have Jonathan David Helser in the studio with me. Jonathan, you might know him from all of his worship leading. You might know him from uh, directing the 18-inch Journey School with Melissa Helser. Jonathan's been uh, a close ally and a good friend now for several years. I sat in on a teaching that he and his wife, Melissa, led several years ago uh, with Graham Cook at a conference and was deeply impacted and then found myself being drawn to his worship. And the way that he can create an environment for a heart to respond to God's initiation and God's initiative is profound. Uh, He's not only gifted, but he is anointed to bring the kingdom. He's a good friend. He's a good father. He's a good husband. He's a good man. And what we did was we had a lengthy conversation where we have touched on all sorts of different topics. And we kind of move through the conversation with stories and introductions to different songs that have uh, particularly impacted me over the last several years. And so what I'm really excited to bring you into is a three-part series where we will move and weave and walk through conversation, ideas, questions, and various worship songs. So friends, you're in for a great adventure. Let's begin. Oh man, Jonathan, this is awesome. This is just so fantastic. I remember my first experience encountering you and encountering your worship and encountering your leadership as a king in God's kingdom. And uh, man, Jonathan, it just really affected me. It affected me on a profound level. And now years have gone by and we've cultivated a friendship. And I've been looking forward to this day for a lot of years. So thank you for dialing in. Such an honor to do this. Such an honor. Jonathan, of the many songs that are powerful and anointed that God's given you, the song Endless Ocean, Bottomless Sea has a remarkable story. It involves a dream and a journey. And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. You know, I I think there's, for authors, there's books that God puts in you before you're born. Uh, Songwriters, there's songs he puts inside of your heart before you're born. Uh, For artists, there's paintings he he puts inside of you. And and we're creating from overflow. And for me, Endless Ocean, Bottomless Sea, when I look back on my story, I'm like, wow, this is a song he was singing into me for a really long time. Before we hosted our first summit camp, the night before the camp started, I had a dream. And I'm a 22-year-old, young, wild, going-after-Jesus guy. And I go to bed that night after praying, 
And in the dream, I'm standing on a shoreline. And the dream begins with me looking down at my feet. I see my feet and I'm right there at the edge of the water, edge of the ocean. And I lift my eyes up and I see Jesus standing in the ocean. He's standing about waist deep. And I look immediately into his eyes. And like a deer in headlights, I'm locked into his gaze. And as I look into his eyes, I see his eyes are bigger than the ocean he's standing in. And then all of a sudden, this sneaky Jesus smile like appears on his face, full of love and mischief at the same time. And he smiles at me. And as he smiles, I look into his eyes again, and there's a reflection in his eyes of more people. And I look behind me, and there's a whole army of young people standing on the shoreline. And then Jesus lifts his hand, and he just motions for us to come into the deep with him. And we begin to walk into the ocean, and as we get like ankle deep, knee deep, we look and we're like, the king's a little deeper than he was at the beginning of this. And as we get waist deep, we go, wait, wait, all we can see is his smile on the surface. And, and the dream concluded with us all disappearing into the deep ocean with, with Jesus. And so I share, this dream, I share this dream at the beginning of the camp, and it's really what the Lord did that camp. He was calling these young hearts into the deep waters with him, like he called his disciples into the deep. And almost 12 years later, I'm in the middle of a worship moment, leading worship at a conference. And it came to that place, you know, where you, you're at the end of the song that's on the screen. And, and everyone begins to sing the song that's on their heart. Uh, those are my favorite worship moments as a worship leader. When you've almost worked yourself out of a job, the people don't need you anymore that's because beautiful. they're now singing the song in their heart. And we had this spontaneous moment where we're all just singing our own songs to God. And we're, we're standing there astonished at who he is again, bowing with angels going, oh my gosh, he's even better than we ever thought he could be. And as we came to the end of this worship moment, I sang spontaneously, you're my endless ocean, you're my bottomless sea. Just like the angels, I saw you in the beginning, they're seeing you again today and they're absolutely undone by you. And we, we spontaneously just sang that line over and over, you're an endless ocean, a bottomless sea. And I crafted the lyrics, after the week later, I crafted the lyrics, uh, the verses of that song all around that chorus. And as I was finishing the song, I instantly remembered the dream. I'm like, oh my goodness, I dreamed him inviting us into this ocean 12 years ago. And now the songs come out and there's lyrics wrapped around it. I love verse three where it says, all those angels, they are swimming in this ocean that has no shore. Mm. So yeah, 12 years after having the dream and then finishing the song, I stumbled onto this A.W. Tozer quote, one of my favorites uh, from The Pursuit of God. And he says, that we know that because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, he is all spotless purity. And because he is immense, his love is an incomprehensibly incom vast, bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats confused and abashed. Jonathan, with this as an introduction, let's pause here and take a few minutes with our friends listening to simply receive the love of God through this song that God put inside of you before you were born.
Jonathan, I guess when I think about your life, I've experienced something through your worship and your leading us into worship that, frankly, I've never experienced before in God's kingdom, in my life in God's kingdom for over 20 years. And I'll name it as response. In essence, there's something at the heart of your leading us into worship as you speak and model that centrality is is a response. Like you, you often have this quote of worship is giving back to God what he first gave us. And I will confess like, Jonathan, that just wasn't my experience of worship for so many years. So much of the time worship was something that I came to tired and it felt like one more thing to do and I ought to worship God. I ought to serve God. But worship was something I typically did on a Sunday morning that required something of me that frankly I didn't have in my tanks. So it was all about kind of sacrifice and you reframed it and it opened a tidal wave of love in my life and I've never been the same. I, I just wanna first of all say thank you and I wanna hear more of what what is that? Beautiful. Yeah, so worship is giving back to God what he has first given to us is a quote that I first read from Oswald Chambers and the Apostle John puts it like this, that we love God because he first loved us. And a few Christmases ago, it summed up for me when my kids came to me and they're like, Dad, we want to get you a Christmas gift this year. Mm -hmm. We have something amazing picked out. I'm like, okay, amazing. And they said, can we borrow your credit card for the afternoon? <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. And they used my abundance to get me something. Wow. And then and then I open it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted this. And to me, that's what worship is. And I love the first moment that God has with man. His first interaction is messy. He gets down in the dirt and he begins to sculpt us. And there's dirt under God's fingernails, and all of a sudden, there's dust on God's lips. And Adam opens his eyes, and he receives the breath and then gives the breath back to the earth. Mm. God breathes into him, and then Adam breathes back. And in that first moment in Genesis, it says that God blessed him. And the word blessed there, I just did a study on it recently. The word blessed there is the word barak. And it actually means to kneel down and adore. Mm. So the father knelt down and onto Adam's level, and he adored Adam. He blessed him. He he, he adored him. And I'll, and I'll never forget the first moments holding my son and holding my daughter. And I, I've never held eight pounds that weighed that much when I held my son. Mm. The first time. Mm. And I just sat there completely adoring him. He had done nothing up to that moment. He had done absolutely nothing. Uh, he had made one one diaper at that point, and I'm, I'm holding him. And then it pulls me into the moment of Jesus in the baptism waters, and he comes out of the muddy Jordan waters. He's done no ministry. He's had 30 years of, we, we know nothing of those 30 years other than the moment when he's 12. And all of a sudden, here comes Father roaring out of the heavens. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, Richard Foster puts it away. He says that worship is the response to the overtures of the Father's love song. We're giving back to Him the song He first sang. Mm-hmm. And so that's so much of what worship has been for me. And my favorite moments of worship are after I've poured out my heart to him. I had one of these recently, and I'm I'm just singing to him, Father, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. 
And then all of a sudden, as I'm singing with all my heart, he interrupts my song with his song. And I'll never forget this moment recently. As I'm singing You're Worthy, it's like he stops me, like he stopped the prodigal on the way back home. And he says, son, you're worthy. Mm. Son, you're holy. Son, you're the apple of my eye. And those moments wrecked me. Mm. <laughs> just, just like the prodigal had the collision with the father. And I, I love that moment because the prodigal's preparing his speech. And all of a sudden, he has a collision with grace beyond what he ever thought he would experience. Mm. And the father clothes him with his thoughts. He puts a robe and he puts a ring and he puts sandals on his feet. And he says, no, this is who you are. I, I just think worship is this love song being sung between earth and heaven. Like the rain comes down and then it goes back up and then it comes back down. It's this love song sung between the heart of a father and his children. And we're giving back to him what he first gave us. And then he's so undone by it, he gives it back to us and, and pours it out like the rain pours down from heaven and fills up the earth. Uh, Jonathan, as you share, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel emotional, and I think it's the, the response in my heart of just the image of the Father interrupting you with this lavish love. You know, it's interesting. You know, our kids are similar ages, and Joshua had his first season of football, and he did tremendously, but he had one really rough game, and it was raining and sleeting, and he had some hard things. And after the game, I went up to him, and he was in tears, and he instantly said, Dad, I, I messed this up, and I could have done this better, and he was really upset, and my only response was to wrap him up. He had these huge shoulder pads, and so he felt so big, and just look at him, and I said, Son, I love you. I love you. I'm proud of you, and that's all that I could find in my heart, and it's just similar I, I feel it of, wow, is that true? Could that be true that that's our father's posture to us, that he will actually interrupt our best efforts to simply lavish affection? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had a moment with my son, Cadence. It was the first time we actually went to a golf course to play golf. And okay. We had practiced in the backyard and we'd gone to the driving range and I knew going to the golf course is the next level. And so we're on this, you know, we have already lost like 20 balls at this point. We're on our <laughs> third, third, third or fourth hole. He's just trying his best. <laughs> and uh, golf is the most humbling game. And we're at this hole, though, where there's a pond in front of us. And he's going to have to hit at least like a 150-yard drive to get it over okay. the And we only have like 10 balls left. <laughs> And he is so ready to prove himself to me. He's so ready to show me he has what it takes. And he goes through about nine balls. We have like two balls left and we still have six holes. And he, and he just slams his golf club on the ground. And he says this phrase. He says, Dad, I just wanted to impress you. And when he said it, it just echoed into my heart. And I realized how many times I come to prayer, or I come to worship, and I'm the same way. I'm just wanting to impress God with what I can do. Mm. And I looked at Cadence, and I said, son, from the first moment I held you, you impressed me. Mm. Like, you filled my heart with pleasure every day you've been alive. And, and he just smiled at me, and he said, 
does that mean I can have one more try? <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you get one more, one more try. Uh, but if not, we're going to put this on the other side. And I can't overestimate how big a miracle this was. It's, yes. it's on the like Moses parting the Red Seas, but he got up there and knocked it over the water. I could not believe it. It was, it was a miracle. Oh, uh, I, I love it. But it's it, such but, a moment. And Jonathan, what I hear in that is cadence. It came out of from a place of knowing that I'm loved, right? And, and that I have what it takes rather than kind of this effort to prove that I have what it takes to dad, just such a different energy. And there's a huge implication in what you're saying. So, I mean, as I said it, Jonathan, my experience of you and Melissa, it's pretty rare because most of the time in my experience in a worship culture, it starts with sacrifice. It starts with giving, but you're talking about it's a response. And if it's a response, then we must first put ourselves in a posture that's willing and open to receive a love that we haven't earned. And that's that's just pretty radical. I mean, reflect back to me because you, you've seen a lot. You've been a worship leader and a teacher in a lot of Christendom for a lot of years. And so do you find it rare? And how do you help people make that shift? Yeah, I think that the shift, it's like that moment in the garden where the blessing came before the commission. He held the clay in his hands and he kissed it and then he blessed Adam. Before Adam had done anything, he blesses him. And then he says, now go do these incredible things, rule and conquer, be fruitful and multiply. But the blessing came first. And I see so much of the treadmill of religion is we work for the delight instead of doing it from the delight. And to me, that's the revolution, is when you do it from delight, not for delight. You do it from his pleasure and not just for his pleasure. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. And I guess my question to you, to get really practical for all of our friends out there, is how did you develop that? How did you become the kind of person that lives from delight instead of constantly for it. What did that look like in your story? Yeah, in my story, I have an incredible dad who met Jesus in the uh, in the Jesus movement. He was actually smoking dope, uh, reading the book of Isaiah and doing yoga. That's beautiful. And he just thought it would be cool to get stoned and read the Bible. <laughs> and long story short, God pulled him out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as he began to read the book of Isaiah, he kept reading the the voice of the Lord. And he said, God, do you still have a voice? Uh, and through an incredible series of events, he realized that God was calling him home and called him out of darkness into light. And he grew up in the Jesus movement as a young Christian. And so I was born kind of in the late seventies. And before I was born, him and my mom were given a beautiful word over my life that I would play music. Mm. And they carried this in their heart. They actually never told me the word. They just prayed into it. And through my teenage years, they often wondered, like, I, I'm, I'm curious if this guy's ever going to pick up a guitar. I was totally into sports. One of the most competitive, intense kids you've ever met. Wow. And, and then around 17, at the summer camp that my dad pastored, I got absolutely wrecked by the presence of God in worship. And I sat down the basketball and picked up a guitar. And my high school year after I graduated, I went to do a school of ministry in England. Okay. And a couple months into the school, I just started learning guitar. My dad came to visit me 
And he actually came to teach on the school, which was an incredible thing. He's teaching on the school and coming to visit me. And we're into the school. And uh, at, towards the end of the week, a, a few of my friends said, hey, 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 I'll play, play that song for your dad. And they just kind of shoved the guitar in my hand. He said, what song? And I said, oh, uh, it's just something I, I just kind of wrote a couple weeks ago. It's the first song I've ever written. And, and he just sat there and he just mm. stopped everything. And he said, I want to hear this. Mm. I was so nervous. I, I only knew about three chords, but I had written this song and I, I played the song for him. And I looked across the room and I'll never forget this moment. These massive tears are coming down his face and his, he's exploding with delight. And he said, and I, and I looked at him and said, is, is this song any good, dad? And he said, oh my gosh, you have no idea how long I've waited to hear that song. And later that week, he, he began to tell me of the prophetic word over my life that I would write music. And he said, me and your mom have been praying into this word for 22 years that you would write music. And uh, about a week went by and I, I was really undone that the father had been, you know, those moments where you realize you're in a bigger story Yes. and you step out of your drama and you realize God's writing a story much bigger than you and you're, but you're a piece in the story. And about a week goes by and I'm just, I'm, I'm still undone by my dad's reaction to the, the simple little song I'd written. And then the father of fathers I'm sitting with him one morning, he steps into the room and he says, you think your dad's been waiting a long time to hear that song? I've been waiting since a garden to hear that song. And that completely wrecked my life. <laughs> and I think that's been the beauty of learning to keep going back to that father and hear who he says I am. We've had success. We've had failures. We've had moments where we totally are striving and we're doing it not from delight, but we're working so hard to get his delight. But it's going back to that moment of realizing like before the creation of the world, he was dreaming about my song mm. and nothing moves his heart like my song does. Mm. Oh, Jonathan, that's so moving. And there, there's so much in what you're saying. And I, I even hear there's so much we could unpack of just the idea that your parents would seek God's particular heart for their children and ask God about their life and listen for words and that they would receive a word and not share it with you. They would just have the self-control to say, that's a treasure, kind of like Mary did with Jesus, that she stored up the treasure in her heart, right? But it didn't require to be shared. And then 22 years later, it came into fulfillment. And it's such a encouragement of how to live as a parent. And yet, as you're sharing, there's another thing that that strikes me. I feel a little pocket of pain, as I think a lot of people probably do out there. There's something in me that goes, well, if I had your dad, then I, oh my goodness, if I had a dad that was praying over my life for 22 years, if I had a dad that walked with God, if I had a dad that was gracious with allowing me to be a fiercely competitive in sports when his heart knows that I'm meant to be a musician. And yet you're also talking about this other father beyond your earthly father. For the sake of all of our friends out there that are feeling a pocket of pain, can you can you say more? Yes. Since that moment when I sang my dad my first song, I came back here, back to North Carolina, and me and my wife have been a part of really doing ministry with them for almost the last 20 years. Okay. And they are incredible. Uh, they're incredible parents. But I realized, like, especially you work side by side like this, 
And I've seen their successes and I've seen their failures. I've seen their brokenness and they've seen ours. And I've realized the greatest thing they've done as parents is they haven't been perfect, but they've pointed us to the perfect father. And even now I have a 15 year old son and I have a a 12 year old daughter. And I realize, like, oh, wow, we haven't done perfect, but the greatest thing we can do is point them to the Father. Because my son, is he, he already is starting to outgrow his need for me. Mm. But if I can teach my son his need for the Father of fathers, we'll never outgrow that need. Mm. Jesus never outgrew his need for Father. He only did what he saw him doing and heard him speaking. And, and a lot of times when I tell that story that the father had been waiting since the garden to hear my song, it's not just my song. He's been waiting f- since a garden to hear each of our songs. Yeah, it's so good. And, and actually, while we're on that, there is one song that's been with you and with us through you for a lot of years that brings the heartbeat of the father forward and it's it's titled Abba. And just while we're here, it, it, would you be up for just kind of sharing a bit of the story behind that particular song? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Abba has been a really special song for us. It was inspired. I was reading a Brendan Manning book called The Furious Longing of God. And Brennan shares a story of how this prayer, Abba, I belong to you, has become a rhythm for his life. And it's a prayer that he would take into the secret place. And with the rhythm of his breathing, he would breathe in, Abba, and exhale, I belong to you. Mm. It became just a beautiful discipline for his heart to connect with God. And I read those words, and as I read them, it was like I could hear the melody. Wow. And uh, sat down at a piano uh, one evening, just me and the father, and sat down at the piano and just began to sing that prayer, Abba. I belong to you, Abba, I belong to you. And the song began to take shape around that prayer from Brenning. And to me, this thought really does sum up even what we're talking about, how worship is giving back to the Father what he first gave to us. And you see a glimpse of in Galatians and then Romans 8, this moment where he's poured his spirit into our hearts and our spirits are resounding back, Abba. Father. And so, but he initiated the song first. He first poured the spirit into our hearts. So then our spirits could give back to him. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, this is who you are. And uh, I love the kind of the pre-chorus of this song where it says, your thoughts define me. You're inside me. You're my reality. And just that place of your thoughts define me. Almost every time I sing it, to me, that's the one that wrecks me the most out of the song. (laughs) Uh, And just realizing like worship is this place where we're not telling God who he is because he's forgotten. We're not telling God you're holy, you're worthy, you're faithful, you're beautiful uh, because he's having an identity crisis. When we tell the father who he is, we actually start to remember who we are. And then in that place, his thoughts begin to define who we are. Oh, it's so incredible. Just as you explain the story, I just can't tell you how many times I've been sideways in my own identity because of some external circumstance that just shook me up. And I found myself in my truck in between battles and turn my phone on airplane and I fire up that song. And it is just this alignment 
back to reality. I, I start in my truck as an orphan and I leave my truck as a son and I feel his abundance. I feel his confidence. I feel his strength. And, and I literally am a different person when I arrive. So it, it is so anointed and uh, I so deeply appreciate your stewardship of it. And I think even in this first episode, of this series, I, I would love to go to that song and just invite our listeners to enjoy experiencing what God wants to bring as a father through it.
Father. You are generous. You're faithful. You provide more than we could ask for or imagine. The atmosphere of your heart is abundance and protection and provision. God, you are ever faithful as a dad to ever initiate pursuit of our heart, the restoration of our heart, the initiation of our lives. Father, we come to you as sons and we bring to you all the places in us that have yet to know you as sons. God, to confess that you are safe and we belong to you. God, what would it look like to come to you as father, to have more parts of me belong to more parts of you. I ask that you would crucify the fear, that you would crucify the false in me that has given way to orphan as identity or slave as identity. And God, in its place, I ask that you would refresh and re-energize and restore me with a spirit of sonship I speak a spirit of sonship over my life, over my body, a spirit of sonship, over my mind, a spirit of sonship, over my will, a spirit of sonship, over my soul, my imagination. I speak a spirit of sonship over the fullness of my domain, every aspect and dimension of my domain, including vehicles and finances, property, including family, my wife, children, all of those entrusted to my care, every aspect and dimension of my kingdom, I declare a spirit of sonship. God, in this place, I give everyone and everything to you. God, I ask that you would remind my soul that you are perfectly capable of carrying the load. God, that you're safe and you're steady and you are more than enough. God, I pray that the things that you have stirred in me through, the, through this worship and through the conversation with Jonathan today, these things that are present tense realities, that you would come and breathe your life into them that you would bring me through them into deeper union, deeper dependency, deeper trueness, and deeper life. Father, I want to mature with you and be one with you as Jesus prays that we would be one as he is one with you. I want to become the kind of man that does what I see my father doing and I do nothing apart from you. Father, your word says that in union with you, when I am grafted into the vine that is Jesus Christ, when I am a branch and I'm grafted into the vine, God, when I am united with you, your word says that whatever I ask will be listened to and acted upon. And I declare that, I enforce that over my kingdom and domain. 
God, would you restore my joy? Would you strengthen me today? I receive your love. I receive your life. I receive your care. In Jesus' name. Friends, thank you for joining Jonathan and I for this episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Find out more about Jonathan's ministry, him and Melissa, you can go to 18inchjourney.com or jonathandavidhelser.com. Tune in really soon for the next episode, which is part two of this three-part series. We'll talk to you soon.